Well, hello. Great to see you here in person, and we want to welcome everybody who's visiting us online. Those of you who are in Townsville right now, we miss you so much. Um, we're excited about today's service. My name is John. I'm one of our pastors. I oversee our Upland campus as well as all of our offsite uh, campuses. And so just want to say thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being here uh, in whatever way, wherever you are uh, with us today. And so I uh, want to encourage you, if this is the first time that you've ever been here, whether you're online for the first time or you're here in person for the first time, would you do something for us? We would love to know that you're new and that you are here. And so we're gonna ask you to text the word new here as one word, new here, uh, to, the, to the number 818-818. Just to let us know that you are here, this is your first time, and we wanna be encouraged that you're, you're part of us today, this weekend, and we wanna be able to connect with you. And so if you would do that for us, we'd really appreciate it. Um, also, if you would like to worship the Lord today in your giving, uh, if you're here on campus, we want to encourage you that there are boxes around the room in the back, and you can uh, use those for your tithes and offerings. Or if you're out on the patio today, um, you can, there are boxes out there as well. And if you want to give online, there is a, there's a, a Water of Life app that you can download and you can give through the app or you can give through the Water of Life website, wateroflifecc.org. And so we just wanna encourage you. Those of you, so many of you who've been so faithful during this very difficult, unprecedented time and been so faithful with your giving have allowed us to continue to do ministry at Water of Life for this entire time. So we thank you very, very much. A um, few things I wanna to talk to you about before we get into worship and today's message. Uh, a lot of things going on. One of the big ones is um, we are going sort of back to uh, sort of normal. We're going to be moving back into the room here at Fontana. Uh, we have a bunch of people here today, and the reason we're here inside today is because we had um, the, the Southern California version of inclement weather, and so uh, this is what this is what we get. And so we're. Um, but as of next week, uh, October 31st and November 1st, we are moving indoors, and that's going to be how we're going to worship from here on out. So really excited about that. That's really good news. Um, with that, we're also going back to kind of our normal or our historic times. And so if, if you can remember, we used to have service at 5 o'clock on Saturday nights and then service at 9.30 and 11.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. And so that's going to be where we're headed. Uh, starting next week, we're not going to have um, Sunday night services anymore. Tomorrow night will be the last, uh, Sunday night this weekend will be the last um, Sunday night service that we will have. And so we will have EK uh, at that time. Uh, we will not have Club 56 this weekend. Um, we are, out of an abundance of caution, somebody, we had a little coronavirus concern. And so out of an abundance of caution, we're not gonna do Club 56 this weekend, but we will hopefully have Club 56 next weekend. Also, uh, Empowered Kids and Club 56, which is our kids and fifth and sixth grade program. Uh, will only be available on Sunday morning on November 1st. It will not be available on Saturday night at this time, although I'm sure that's, that's where we're gonna head to soon enough. Um, for these services, we will still be doing uh, everybody wearing a mask, everybody social distanced, just to be able to, just to be cautious and careful, concerned about our other, other people, wanna make sure everybody stays healthy. And if that wasn't enough information and enough complication, we're doing it on the weekend when, uh, when daylight savings ends, right? And so we also get to turn our clocks back. And so if we see a few of you here very, very early, we won't ask any questions. We'll just, all right, that's cool. It's all you, it's good. And so um, if you still have a clock, which I think a few of us still do, and you still have to set it back, uh, do that on November 1st. Also coming up, 
We have something called the Family ID Workshop, and this is a really cool thing to, to, to determine the values and the mission of your family. A lot of us as families have never done anything like this, like figuring out who we are and what we're about, where we wanna go. And so this is a great workshop. It's several Sundays starting November 1st, going through November 22nd on Sunday nights at 6.30 p.m. The whole thing only costs five bucks, and it's just to allow your family to come together and figure out what are our values, what is our purpose, where are we headed? And I think it's a great idea for families to do. So you can go to wallupdates.com to register. Uh, finally, this is a really interesting time that we're in, as we all know, and I think it's, there's always opportunities in times like this to do ministry. And a cool way that uh, we've come up with is called the drive-through difference. Now, a lot of us are spending more time going through drive-throughs. We're not doing as much maybe, maybe in, in restaurant dining. And so what you can do is you go to wallupdates.com and you download and print an invitation to church and then you go through, as you go through the, uh, the drive-thru, you ask the cashier if you can pay for the person behind you their, their meal. You pay for their meal, give the cashier the flyer, and hope that they're able to give it to the person behind you. You get to invite someone to, to church. It's just a really cool, really innovative way to continue to do ministry, see God move, even in our strange circumstances that we're under now. And so you go to wallupdates.com to print those invitations out. Now, as always, if you need any more information, if you want to keep up with what's going on in the church, go to wallupdates.com. And as we transition into worship, if you'd go ahead and stand with me. If you're uh, online, go ahead and stand where you're at. I want to invite you to put aside distractions to kind of set aside this time where we can really pursue God and see what he has for us. I love our memory verses that we've had with this 40 days of prayer. One of the memory verses that we had this week was Hebrews 10:22 that says, "Let us come near to God with a sincere heart and a sure faith." And so as as we get gather today to worship God, that's my prayer. Father, I pray that we would be able to come to you with sincere hearts, and God, that our faith would be sure. God, that we would approach you with confidence, as the writer of Hebrews said, knowing that you love us, you are a good Father who has good things for us, who wants to hear from us. And so, Father, today we come to you in worship. We lift our hearts and our voices to you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you worship together with us? Well, hello, water of life. Hope you guys are doing well. We're so happy that you guys are here today with us. Whether you're online or in person, we're so happy. So let's worship together.
sing this new song tonight. It's a prayer. We believe in the power of prayer as we take this journey as a church. We'll sing this with the battle you see my victory when all I see is a mountain you see a mountain move. and as I walk through the shadow your love surrounds me There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. Yes, so when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the
That was really good, wasn't that good? Yeah, that was really good. Father, we want to come and say, your word declares you would be enthroned on the praises of your people. We want you here. Lord, we're here because we're desperate for your presence, God. We ask that you'd open up heaven, pour out life and blessing, healing, hope, supernatural insight into our circumstances, and answers to prayer for people that have been crying out to you, God, and just saying, Lord, where are you in my situation? Where are you in my circumstance? God, thank you for being ever-present help in a time of need. God, you never abandon us. You never leave us. You're always available to us. You're amazing, amazing God. Why don't you take a seat? We're going to take communion together. I want to read to you from Psalm 27. Psalm 27 is a great psalm about being in the presence of God. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the, the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? Nobody, you know. It's amazing. When God is your stronghold, you don't have to be afraid of anything else. When evildoers come upon me to devour me, my adversaries and my enemies, they will stumble and fall. Though a host would encamp against me, my heart will not be afraid. The war rises up against me in spite of all, everything that comes against me. I will be confident. For one thing I have asked from the Lord that I want to seek after, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and meditate in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock, and my head will be lifted above all of my enemies. Well, Father, we want to take communion right now. I just invite you to open your little bread and cup there. And Father, you said to do this in remembrance of you because we're forgetful people. You bless, you bring life, you breathe hope, and we forget. But we thank you that you're gracious, forgiving, and ask Holy Spirit that right now, in this place, you would move with power. For people online, that you would move with into their homes, into their journey, wherever they are in the land, God, that you, you are in that moment with them. And for each of us, Father, we cry out to you and say, God, have your way. One day in your courts is better than a thousand days elsewhere. So, Lord, we take the bread and we say, thank you, God, for closing the gap and creating intimacy between us and you. Take and eat in Jesus' name. And Lord, we take the cup. We say, thank you, thank you, God, for the blood of Jesus. It washes us clean, white as snow, makes a way to be intimate, close, personal, real with you, God, honest. Help us to do that in our prayer lives, Father. As we go through 40 days of prayer, help us to, to just build intimacy and build intimacy and build intimacy with you that we can never, never outgrow getting deep with you, God. So, Father, we take the cup. We say thank you again for your heart for us. Take and drink in Jesus' name.
Now Psalm 27, the end of verse six says, I will sing, yes, I will sing praise to the Lord. So I wanna invite you to stand. Our hospitality people are gonna come around with a bucket, you can throw your cups in those. But let's worship one more time before we get in the word together. Okay, just a couple of thoughts really quick here. I wanted to, to drop on you is um, 
Next weekend, we're going to change times. I know Pastor John already announced that to you, but we're going to go back to Saturday night and Sunday morning services, so that will be very interesting. It's been a while. But um, we're going to have EK, Empowered Kids Children's Ministry, on Sunday mornings only, not on Saturday nights to start. And we are still 60 people short of being able to make that happen for two services. And right now, we're doing one service on Sunday night. It's completely full of kids. And we have kids waiting in line to come back. So if you would like to step up and serve and empower kids, we really need you right now. There's a bunch of ways you can do that. You can get signed up online. You can sign up out at the concourse. You can go on our webpage and sign up. You can call in the office on Monday or Tuesday. We really need you right now. So I just want to encourage you to think that way. Also, it's not too late for you to get in a small group. Small groups are happening. We're doing uh, videos for them all the time. And a lot of you are on small groups online. You're in Zoom in. And some of you are in people's backyards. But we want to encourage you to get a prayer guide. How many of you have prayer guides? Most of you in here have prayer guides? Yeah? Um, if you don't have a prayer guide, there are still prayer guides out on the concourse. And if you have a card or a ticket you know, to pick up a prayer guide, you can go out and use that now and get a prayer guide. If you, if you don't have one, you can still pick up a prayer guide. We don't have the... Um, Memory verses, they'll be in next week. So we have 300 more memory verses, key tags coming in next week. And so if you want the memory verses, they're awesome. You ought to get a hold of them and use them. You can still pick those things up and do that uh, as soon as you know, we're done today. So let's pray together, jump in the word. Father, we love you. We want to come and say thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for prayer. Thank you for 40 days of prayer. And thank you for what you're doing in our church, Father. We're just grateful. Thank you, God. Amen. If you haven't been with us in the mornings of prayer, they've been phenomenal. I'm just like, wow. Sit in groups with people, <clears throat> excuse me, and hear them cry out to God. And it's life-changing. When you're in a group with somebody and you know, we socially distance and we all wear masks and all that stuff, but, but it's just phenomenal to hear people cry out to God and pour out their hearts to the Lord and you realize it's powerful and relationship and prayer is powerful and and God knows that that's why we've been jumping in this study now we're in the third week of 40 days of prayer and so if you got your little prayer guide and you want to go along follow along you got those half page inserts that are in there but let's talk about healing because how many of you know we need some healing and a lot of times Christians are like, I don't need healing. Everything's all right. No, 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 no. Everything fundamental to Christianity is about healing, friends. You got to get that. Jesus died so people could be what? So life could be healed. So the planet could be healed. So relationships could be healed. Jesus died for healing. And so saving involves healing. And so when you talk about healing, how does that happen? I mean, our world is sick. Our world is dying. Some of us are sick and we're dying. And, you know, emotionally, mentally, we need healing in our hearts, you know. We need healing in our families. We need healing in our finances. We need healing in our bodies and our nation. We need healing. And so big question is, how, how do you get that? Well, there's a text that many of you know, and I'll just start it and you can finish it because you're so familiar with it. Uh, if my people who are, you know this verse, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves, right? How many of you know that verse? Okay, the problem with that verse is we use it out of context a lot, a lot, like many Bible verses. Let me give you some context on what was happening. Solomon had just finished building the temple, and 
God was pleased with what had happened. They'd obeyed him. He'd done all the right things. And God comes into this relationship with Solomon. He said, listen, I'm going to fill the temple with my glory. I'm going to show up there. It's going to be powerful. But, but, but there's probably going to be some problems down the road because you guys are all human. How many know humans make problems? <laughs> we make problems with each other. We make problems with God. And he says, I, and I get that. This is what's so great about God. I get that. So even if you walk away from me, even if you do certain things, I'm still going to be your God. I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to walk with you if my people who are called by my name humble themselves. That's the context. So God tells Solomon, even if you guys mess up, I will still come in and heal the land. Now we grab that and we pull it out and we go, I need God to heal my country. And so we use this to pray over countries, which is not really wrong. But the principles and the foundation of the, of the text and the context is really about healing people with God. It's really about healing relationships with God. It's really about God touching and healing people. So what I wanna do today with you is walk through the text and help you understand how to get healing because it's foundationally found in 2 Chronicles 7.14. Now, before we do that, let's review a little bit. So let's go back two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, we talked about prayer and changing our what? Come on, somebody help me. Habits. We talked about changing habits, right? You gotta practice. You gotta practice good things to get rid of bad things. You gotta practice things. You gotta build habits. So we said 40 days of prayer is about building habits. Get in a small group, memorize your verses, come to morning prayer, do the things, read, study, change some what? Habits. Get rid of some bad habits, and in the next 40 days, believe God for some what? Good habits, and to replace some of those. And then last week, we talked about hearing from God, learning God, realizing that prayer is relationship, relationship, relationship. It's not a ritual. It's a conversation, not a ceremony. It's about talking and listening. It's about relationship, not ritual. It's be real with God, be intimate with God. And we said last week, and we're gonna to touch it again this week, asking is a key to that. And I wanna explain that again to you because asking is just a, the heartbeat of prayer. And when we think about asking, sometimes we lose our way there. So last week we did a little survey. Remember the survey? Very short. Give me one word that describes your prayer life. Okay, so let's, let's look at what you said as a group of people, as a church. Here were the results. You said things like faith, peaceful, progress, slow, slow. I'm not sure if that means when you pray, you pray slow, or your prayer life feels slow. I'm not sure quite what that means. Okay, expectant, life often, daily, God, hard times. So here, here's what I got out of it. I went through the whole thing, read all of it, and this is what it really looked like to me. Some people said it's needed. Well, it is. Daily. Others said this, it's lacking. <laughs> That's good. I mean, it's real. It's short. <laughs> so I love you, God. I'm on my way to work. Goodbye. <laughs> I guess that's short. I, I mean, unless it's, they mean, I, I'm not, okay. So it's short. Uh, often, that, that's a good one. Often prayer, often is good. How about this one? This is, goes back to that big word, slow. I'm not sure what slow means <laughs> in prayer, but somebody feels like their prayer life is kind of slow, so it's probably not happening. Other people thought, 
that, that this was several people answered with this word, little. How many of your prayer lives little, your spiritual life is too? I mean, really, come on, that's just how it is. And faith, some people said faith is in there. Others said weak, my prayer life is weak. And others said sincere. First off, I just wanna say thank you for being honest. Because the truth is we all struggle with prayer. There are no prayer experts. I've never had anybody come in and go, I'm a prayer expert, you know? Even Jesus guys, and we taught this last week, Jesus guys said, look at, you know, teach us how to pray. They didn't say teach us how to raise the dead, heal the sick, teach a Bible study lesson, but they did say teach us how to what? Because it's hard for people to learn how to pray. So 40 days here, we've been talking about prayer. Let's go into healing prayer today. Let's start with 2 Chronicles 7.14 and read this loud together. If you're online, want to read it loud, read it together with me, would you? It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. Uh, heal their land, friends, meant heal the people. Heal the people, I mean heal the circumstances around them. Now, let's start at the top of this. This is not a promise for everybody. Sometimes people go, Here's what God promises for everybody. No, 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 this is not for everybody. This is for if my what? If my people. Okay, so you gotta ask yourself, am I one of God's people? <laughs> you know, who are God's people? Maybe that's a question. Let me tell you what Jesus said about being God's people. Matthew chapter 12, verse 46. It says, while Jesus was teaching the crowd, his mother and his brothers were near, waited nearby to speak to him. So they're standing at the edge of the crowd. <laughs> this is crazy. I love Jesus when he does these kind of things. Somebody said to Jesus, uh, your family wants to talk to you. And Jesus obviously said, okay, tell them I'll be there in just a minute like we all would. Is that right? Of course not. He never does that. He always finds a teaching moment and blows everybody up and just changes the whole game in a second. And that's exactly what he did. So he turns everything into this teaching moment and he says this, pointing to all of his followers, he said, these people are my family. If anybody obeys my Father in heaven and does his will, remember that part, does the will of the Father, he or she is my brother and my sister and my mother. So, how many of that's kind of a game changer? Hello? If my people... Who are God's people? I just told you who they are. They're people who obey his Father's will. Is that right? No, Pastor Down, there are people who show up to church. No. No, Pastor Down, there are people who worship and listen to worship songs in their car and Christian radio all day. No. That isn't what it says. No, there are people who tithe. No. No, there. Listen, if my people, here are my people, anybody who obeys my Father in heaven and does his will. So see, this gets really hard for us because we are a, a generation of people who justify not doing God's will. I mean, really, come on, let's be honest. We do this all the time. We just justify, if God says you need to do this and it's really hard, we're like, well, there's a good reason why you didn't really mean that, God. It's too tough. That's too difficult of an ask for me. That, that's like out of my zone. How could I do that? And, and Jesus said, no, 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 listen, got to figure this out. Anybody who obeys my Father in heaven are called my people. 
And then he says this. It says this in 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name. Okay, hold it. Are you called by God's name? Let me answer that for you. If you're a Christian, the answer is yes. You didn't call yourself into the kingdom of God. God called you into the kingdom of God. That's very clear in scripture. You didn't make, well, no, Lord, I chased after God and found him. No, you didn't. God chased after you and found you. That, that's how this works. I mean, we don't chase after God until God chases after us. That's what the Bible teaches in the book of Romans, particularly chapter three, that God chases after his people. And so, so clearly, if, you, if my people who are called by my name, so, so here's a big question on that, and we'll keep moving, but if you are, are God's people called by his name, are you okay with that? I mean, are you okay if other people know you're called by, by his name? That you're called out of darkness into light? Are you okay that you're not like you used to be? How many of you know this gets hard? This gets hard because there's people at work, there's people at school, there's people in the neighborhood, they don't like you. They don't want you around. They hope all the Christians go away. And, and see, what Jesus said very clearly is, if you're called by my name out of darkness into light, live like it. Act like it and don't be ashamed of me. He said in Mark 8, 38, if anybody's ashamed of me and my words in this unfaithful and immoral generation, I'll be ashamed of them when I return with glory with all my angels. So that's not an option. If my people were called by my name, if you're called out by Jesus, then you got to look like you're called out. Does that make sense? Okay, so, so let's keep going. Because then now four conditions are set out. Now this is so important you get about prayer is that often God sets conditions in prayer. So he'll say, I will do this if you do this and this and this. And a lot of times we're like, I don't wanna do that, but I want that. <laughs> I want the blessing, but I don't want the, the work to get there. I just want the blessing. Well, here is here are the conditions that are laid out in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen for healing. Four conditions that have to be met. Humility, praying or asking, seeking and turning. If you humble yourselves and you pray, so you gotta humble yourself and pray, seek my face, that's seeking, and turn from your wicked ways, then God said, now here's what I'll do for you. I will hear from heaven, I'll forgive your sins, and I'll heal you, and I'll heal your land. How many of you love that? We're all like, let's just jump to the end, Pastor Dan. I want God to heal me and heal the land. Is that right? Okay, but there's four conditions. So here's the conditions again. Humble yourself, pray, seek my face, and turn. So these principles, friends, you gotta figure this out, apply to every area of your life. Like, ask yourself this question, where do I need healing? My marriage, my finances, my emotions, my body, your prayer life, where, where do you need healing? It's slow, Pastor Dan, I need healing. I want my prayer life to speed up. <laughs> this will work for you, okay, if you want it to speed up. So let's start here. Be real, humility, be real. Be real about your need with God. See, humble people are real. Proud people are not. If you're, if you're prideful, you hide. Because you want to look like somebody you're really what? You're not. The Bible's very clear in, in, in Romans chapter three that 
All people have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Very clear. All people means what? All people. And so that includes all of us. So that's a point of humility. You just start there. I need help. I need help. Well, if you're too proud to ask for help, then, then, then you're gonna have a serious problem here because humility is an asset that you all need in your lives. So start with honesty. Humility is this huge resource in the spiritual realm. Without it, you're gonna fail in prayer and in living. I mean, that's just reality. Humble yourself before God or you will fail. I mean, you ever heard people say, pray like this? You know, I just go to the big man in the sky and I tell him what I need. What does that mean? You know, when people talk to me like that, I'm just like, you don't know God. I'm sorry, you just don't know God. I mean, you might think you know God, but you wouldn't speak about him if you really did like that. Because he's this amazing, amazing creator of the universe. He's this huge, gigantic, unbelievable God. And, and you don't just talk about him flippantly and, you know, like, like God is really lucky that I, that I will even come. <laughs> you know, God's really lucky that, I, that, I, that I'll even ask him for something, you know. No, 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 you can't think like that. It, do you come proudly or do you come, I mean, because here's, here's pride, watch this. You gotta be in control. Do you always have to be in control? Because if you always have to be in control, you just need to think like this, I'm prideful. Humility says this, God, I need you to be in control. I need you to have your way. I need you to do what I can do. That's humility. So, so, so think like this. The Bible never tells you to pray for humility. Did you know that? Let me say that again, because if you don't get anything else today, get that. The Bible never tells you to pray for humility. What the Bible says is, humble yourself. Did you get that? That means really, literally, you have a choice to make. I have a choice to make. I can either choose to live in pride or choose to live in humility. I have to choose, you have to choose. Oh God, give me more humility. No, no, you choose humility. You choose to bow down before God. You choose to say, you're God, I'm not. I want you first. I'm good to be second or third or fourth. I want to put you above me. It's a choice, friends. So there's never a place in the Bible that says God is going to give you more humility if you ask for it. He just says humble yourself as an act of your will. So, so, so let me just do a flyover quickly with you because this is where people get messed up with humility. What does it actually look like? What is it and what is it not? So let's start with this. Humility, when people are humble, they confess their sin to God openly. They, they, they're just like this, look, you already know. I just want to agree with you. I messed this thing up. Man, I messed this part up. I messed this part up. It just completely disarms the whole situation. If you do that with your friends, your family, friends, there's a humility there that brings life and heals relationship. You keep short accounts with God if you're humble. What does that mean? You don't hide. You don't like do something and then pretend God doesn't see it. There's a theological term for that. What is it? It's stupid. Don't do that. It's stupid. God knows what you're doing. All God wants you to do is humble your heart and come into agreement. So humility, people with humility keep short accounts. You're just always going back to God going, oh man, God, I messed up again. Would you please forgive me? Wash that away. You confess your sins right away. You tell God that you're sorry. You know, I, I, I agree with you. I shouldn't have done this. 
People that are humble forgive other people. Get this, please get this. If you have trouble forgiving people, it's because you're prideful. Just think about it for a minute. They don't deserve it. That's what we always say. Neither do you. What part of the story did you miss? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us deserves hell. But Jesus rescued you. And then he says this, now rescue other people. I forgave you, now forgive them. Humble people figure that out. They forgive other people. Prideful people don't. They don't think they have to. They think they live above other people and other people don't deserve their forgiveness. Third thing, when you're treated unfairly, don't scream and retaliate. These are really bad today, aren't they? Pastor Dan, you should not say any of these things because they go against everything in our culture. Let me help you with something. Humility makes you a shock absorber. You're literally supposed to be a spiritual shock absorber. You're supposed to, when people are mad at you, be able to take the shock. When people are angry at work, take the shock. When other people are losing their mind, don't lose your mind. Take the shock. How many of you know this is hard? This is hard. This only can happen through the power of the Spirit. All of us fail here sometimes. All of us do, friends. But it's got to be a goal for you to say, listen, I'm not going to retaliate. I'm not going to get back at somebody. I don't, I don't feel like I have to be justified. Think about Jesus. He never did that. He never justified himself. He never retaliated when people hated him. He always acted in the opposite spirit. And because of that, he broke darkness. Humility and acting in the opposite spirit of kindness breaks the enemy's back. So you have to think like that. If you're gonna be humble, you're going to be thoughtful. Now here's, here, well, this is gonna get worse right now. <laughs> humble people respect the people over them in authority. Oh man, that is so out of touch today, Pastor Dan. We don't have to respect authority. Well, the Bible says that you should. The Bible says if you wanna live in the land in peace, you should pray for your leaders. Well, yeah, but they're clueless. I, I don't even like them. I would never have voted them in. I don't know. That doesn't matter. I, I mean, we always think like this. We get a pass. The, the, this doesn't really apply to me because God didn't know how hard it was going to be in America right now. Really? I, I'm sorry, but this was written under Roman occupation. When the Romans were taking Christians and crucifying them, putting tar on them and lighting them on fire, on the roadways leading into Rome. And it was written in the Bible, honor the people in authority over you. See, there's a supernatural side to all this that we miss. We just get frustrated and we're like, I don't wanna do that. If, do you want to break Satan's back or not? Yes or no? Do you want hell to be destroyed in the land? Do you want peace to reign and the heart of God to move at work in your family, in your neighborhood? Then you gotta do this. That's what unleashes the power of God and the spirit of God. When you're humble, you open up heaven for the people around you. When you're prideful, you close it up because you partner with darkness. And so the picture is this, basically this, listen, Walk thoughtfully with other people. Honor people above you, beside you, and below you in life. Speak well of other people. 
Don't chew people up all the time. We all have a, a problem with this. We've got to get over this. Push people ahead of you. Lift them up above you. Humble people do this. I mean, really, humility, we have this, uh, this thing with humility. We think, if I'm humble, I'm going to get walked on and smashed into the ground like a bug. I mean, that's what humility is. No, no, no. Humility isn't that. Humility isn't, how do I look today? Look at me go. Humility is, how can I help somebody else at work today? It's just that practical. That's what humility is about. It's not about thinking you're bad or less or worthless. God thinks you're the apple of his eye, that you're the most valuable thing in the world. But he still wants you to be humble. It isn't, it isn't, listen, it's focus on God and God will help you to learn how to bow down in situations and circumstances. Jesus always did. Humility isn't thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. It's that kind of a thing. And, and, and it is a big deal to God. You're a big deal to God. But living in humility is a huge thing. It opens up doors when you're humble. Listen to Psalm 25.9. God leads the humble in the right way, and he teaches them his will. Anybody want to know God's will? Hello, do you want to know God's will? Yes. Humble people know God's will. Humble, God leads the humble people in the right way. And, and, and he teaches them his will. Isaiah 66 too. I will bless those who humbled and who have humble and contrite hearts. I will bless those. So humility thinks like this. I just have a God who's amazing and I'm gonna go to him and go to him and go to him because he'll, he'll take care of me. I'm gonna ask of him. That's why asking is so important. So it's like the next point on your little outline there. The key to the kingdom of God is asking. It's tied right into humility because you say this, I'm not in control, I'm not God, I need God's help today at work. I need God's help today in my marriage. I need God's help today in my own feelings in my heart. I need God's help. So listen to how this goes. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. So pray for me is ask, ask, and ask some more. Why? Because it says that 20 times in the New Testament. There's a reason why it says it 20 times in the New Testament. It's Luke 18.1, listen to what Jesus said. It says, Jesus was telling them a parable to show them they should always pray and never give up. Always pray and never give up. Always pray. How many of you have been praying for the same thing for years? That you just go to God and you go back and back. Could be a loved one, could be a situation. How many, raise your hand if, that, if you know what I'm talking about. See, that, friends, is part of prayer life. You just, you just keep pounding on the gates of heaven. And it's not that God doesn't love you, friends. So much of the kingdom of God has to do with timing. It has to do with releases. And you can't know the right time. God is not bound by the clock here on earth. you got to think like that. You're thinking like this. Well, I've been praying for 38 years, Pastor Dan. I'm going to be dead pretty soon. That's okay. Because you're not going to be dead. You're going to be just moved. You're going to move into eternity, and God can still answer your prayer. God is never overmatched, and this isn't Dan's idea. This is the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, 12. tells you all this. It says, listen, these people were really faithful. They cried out to God, and they never saw an answer to their prayer until they got into eternity. Some of you will not get answers to your prayer until you're face-to-face with God, and then he'll answer. I don't understand it. I just know it's true. And what you have to figure out is this, don't give up. Don't give up. Keep asking. Don't give up. Don't give up. John 16, 23 says this, in that day you'll no longer ask me of anything. 
Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in his name. So he's looking at people that are looking at him and say, you're not going to be coming to me for your needs. You're going to go to your heavenly Father and ask him. And my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, watch this, ask, and you will receive and your joy will be made full. This is such a great promise. What just happened here? Asking, receiving, and joy are all tied together. Asking, receiving, and joy. How many of you asked for God for something for a long time and then had it happen? And you were shocked. You're like, what? It really happened. Really happened. I mean, I've told the story here so many times, but I, I've experienced it. But the most dramatic way I ever experienced it was with this property. Asked God for it for years, bought it three times, lost it twice. You know, kept asking God, give it to me. Kept talking to the guy who owned it, said there's no chance you're never going to own the property. Never listened to that guy. Just did what the Spirit was saying to me. Keep asking, keep asking. I just kept asking and asking and asking. And finally one day, the phone rang. What day was it? My birthday. Now, do you think that was an accident? I don't think so. Because when the phone rang and, and my son brought the phone in and said, hey, Dad, some guy from Louisville, Kentucky is on the phone. He wants to talk to you about the property on East Avenue. My wife, before I ever touched the phone, leaned up in bed. I was in the bedroom sitting in the corner reading. She said, happy birthday. God gave you the land. I'm telling you, it was prophetic. It was supernatural. She sat up in bed and said, happy birthday. God gave you the land. I picked up the phone and I said, hello. And the guy said, you know, I told you that property would never be sold. Well, it just fell out of, never be sold to you. It just fell out of escrow. You really want to buy it? That was a story. That happened. That was a real story. Because I really kept asking and asking and got to ask. It's the key to the kingdom of God, friends. And your joy will be made complete. Do you know how happy I was that day? I mean, come on, really. You are sitting here on this property because of that answer to prayer. That, that's, I mean... That was a joyful day. Every time I sit here or I come here for Easter and we have hundreds or thousands of people come down and give their lives to Christ, I always think about that. I thought, man, when you turn the key and you open up the door, God, the flood just comes in. We had no idea what you could do. We had no idea what you were gonna do. So your joy will be made full. Asking, receiving, and joy all tied together in prayer. Man, prayer is so powerful if we'll just believe God. So let's talk about this really quick and move on. Why should we ask? Well, Pastor Shane talked to you about this last week. It all has to do with relationship. Just think like this. Your father wants to talk to you. If you had little children, or you ever did, think like this. They asked you for everything they needed. Didn't they? They came to you for everything they needed. Can we eat dinner now? When are we, where can I have this to eat? Can I have this? And you know how you built your relationship with your kids? By answering them. When you answered and they asked, trust was built. That was fundamental to your whole relationship with your children. They were intentionally by God made dependent upon their parents. And so they had to come to their parents to what? 
ask. They had to. Now, if you don't answer your kids, how are they doing? Well, they probably starved to death because they asked you for dinner and you didn't give them any. Do you understand how fundamental this is? Kids are, are they're fundamentally bound to their parents. And some of you have deep wounds with your father or your mother because your parents didn't answer you. They didn't build the bridge of trust back to you that God intended them to build. And God expects asking and receiving to build a bridge of trust. So the more that you come to your father and ask, and the more he blesses you, you receive, the more you what? Trust. You, the more you trust him the next time you have a need. So, so it says, ask how? Ask in my name. Okay, so, so stop right there, because that's really important. You ask in my name. In the Bible, your name has to do with your character. Your character. So names today are kind of cute and catchy. You know, we look for something that is cute and catchy. But, 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 but in the Bible, that it wasn't so. Every name had a purpose. So your purpose was, your name was prophetic to your purpose. So God would actually speak over you, your destiny through your name often. Think about Jesus. What was Jesus' name? Yeshua. What does that mean? Yahweh saves. It's two words put together. Yahweh saves. Or literally, Jehovah saves. So, so, so hold it. Jesus' name at the beginning of the moment literally was his character and his whole purpose and destiny, which was to do what for people? Save them. So God saved you once and he saves you every single day, does he not? He comes and rescues you from yourself. He comes and rescues you from situations. He comes and rescues your marriage, your kids, your family, your finances. God is a savior, a rescuer. And literally Jesus' name said that. In John 14, 14, he said the same thing. You may ask me for anything, but ask in my name and I'll do it. Well, well, how do you know what the character of God is if you're asking in Jesus' name? Friends, it's in here. The problem with this is most of us don't read it anymore. That's why we have memory verses right now. So I want to encourage you again, get your memory verses. If you don't get them this weekend, get them next weekend. We'll have 300 more. But get memory verses, go through them, and do what? Memorize them so that when you're praying, you pray according to God's character and will, and you'll know he'll answer you. Not according to your emotions or the pressure of the moment. You're able to go past that into the heart of the Father and let God move with power and authority because you're praying his word into existence. So finally, 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 I can ask, and this is really important, we're gonna move then, but I can ask anything of God as long as I understand that I've gotta let him be God. Now what does that mean? It means God will never answer a prayer for you that disrupts your destiny. Do you understand what I just said? God has set before you a destiny. It's very clear in scripture. It includes your giftings, your callings, all those things. He set a destiny before you. You might not like your destiny and you may ask God to remove it from you. He won't. And you know why he won't? Because he's a loving father and he knows what's best for you. Your destiny is a blessing. It's your number that you're supposed to what? 
get on and stay on. It's where your blessing is poured out. Your blessing is not off your number. So if you're praying for God, get me off my number, his answer will always be what? We talked to you about that last week. We're gonna cover that, I think, next week in a message. But God answers four ways. He answers your prayers, yes. He answers your prayers, no. He answers your prayers, later, which means wait. How many of you hate that one? We all hate that one, but that's all it has to do with supernatural timing. It's everything in the kingdom of God. Wait, and then finally, I think this one's important because I believe this one. He answers by sometimes saying, are you kidding? <laughs> you know, you really ask that? <laughs> you, don't, don't you ever read this? Don't you know I can't answer that prayer? If you read this, you know I can't answer. Okay, let's keep going. All right, so there's a lot of liberty when Jesus says, ask anything. How many know that's a lot of liberty? Ask what? Anything. Okay, so let's keep going. The third thing is seek after God, chase after God. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. See, this is all over in the Bible. How many of you know it's easy to go after God for a miracle? Not for his purpose. When the word in the, in the Hebrew, it says seek my what? Face. You gotta understand this about God. The word proskuneo, that we use in the New Testament, we translate it worship, proskuneo. That's the word we would say, come to worship God in the New Testament, proskuneo. The word literally means come towards to kiss. It has to do with intimacy with your what? Face. It has to do with intimacy with your face, not your hand. See, here's how some of your prayer lives function all the time. God, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. No, really. This isn't about I want your presence, Lord. Please give me your presence. I, I want uh, one day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I want you, Father. I don't know what that means for all the other stuff, but I want you. Friends, that's how you're supposed to pray. You're supposed to ask for his face not just your miracle. A lot of us, we learn just to pray for the, the miracle. God, I gotta have this, I gotta have this, I gotta have this. Prayer is a relationship. Asking is about relationship. Intimacy with God is about relationship. Humble yourself, seek my face. Not, 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 listen, I want the blessing, but God, I want your presence. Before anything else, Proverbs eight seventeen says this. This is all over in the Bible, by the way. I could give you a ton of verses about seeking the face of God. I love those who love me, and those who seek me will find me. Hebrews eleven six. God rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Earnestly. That means your whole heart. You put Him first. Put Him first. Put Him first. You chase after God. Psalm one fourteen two says the Lord looks down from heaven on the entire human race, and He looks to see if there's even one person with real understanding who will seek after him. Rick Warren put it this way, I love this quote. It's really rare to find somebody who's earnest about seeking after God today. We want just enough of God to bless us, but not enough of God to change us. We want just enough of God to bless us, but not enough of God to what? To change us, and God said, listen, I wanna touch you. I wanna touch you. My little thought is just to, to be done with seeking after God. It never ceases to amaze me how God moves on people who really chase after him. 
If I see somebody get hot for God, and how many know it's easy to get hot and cold and hot and cold for God? Hello? Isn't it just human for all of us? I mean, we forget God quickly. That's why Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. That's why it's important to journal and write things down. But, but, but watch this. It is so crucial. Whenever you see people chasing hard after God, just watch for this. Watch for the miraculous. God will do miracles. He comes with power. He gives release. He sets destiny. He does things. He opens doors that have been closed for years. When does he do that? When people chase after him with all their heart. Just find somebody that's hot for God and just go in zealously after the king and the kingdom and watch them for a while and see if you don't see breakthroughs start to happen. So what amazes me is why we don't do it more. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard to stay on fire for God. Okay, so let's close this up. Finally, the fourth thing is you gotta turn to God. If my people who are called by my name will do four things, humble themselves, pray, ask, seek my face, and they will turn from their wicked ways. Okay, ho hold it. Turn from your wicked ways. Let's talk about that for a minute. Turning. How many of you know that's what repentance really is, is turn around? Turn around. Turn from your wicked ways. Now, first off, most of you don't think your ways are very wicked. Some of you know they are, but a lot of you don't. Okay, we'll talk about that in a minute. But turn from your wicked. Here's something really important that you don't want to forget. You can't go from something to nothing. If you're doing drug rehabilitation, if you're doing it, you realize this really quick. If you're trying to break a habit, you don't go from something to what? You can't do that. You gotta go from a bad habit to a what? A good habit. You gotta go from drugs to Jesus. You gotta go from something bad to something good. You don't go ever from something here to nothing here. You don't go to neutral. That doesn't happen with people. You gotta think like this. You go from something to something. So literally he says, turn from your wickedness and come to me. Now, turning, these two words, turning and wicked, that makes this really tough, you know? We think about wicked, we think about the wicked witch of the West, you know? No, really like the wicked witch, you know? Wow, wicked, what is she? That's, she's a witch. We think about rape and torture and murder. Things like that, Hitler, we think that is all what? Wicked, but let me explain something to you. That isn't what the Bible says is wicked. What the Bible says is wicked when people forget God. Hello? When people forget God. How many know we're all forgetful? That's why we do communion, Jesus said what? Do, it, do this in what? Remember to me, because we're all forgetful. And the Bible literally says, Wickedness happens when you forget God because you replace him with an idol. You replace him with something else. So turn from your wicked ways literally means you have forgotten God. Listen to Isaiah 17, 10. You have forgotten the God who has saved you. You have not remembered that God is your place of safety. See, when you forget God, you make your job, your marriage, your boyfriend, girlfriend, bank account a place of safety. Something else becomes your place of safety. The New Testament literally says that word turn, turn from your wicked ways. This very important word, land the plane here, be done. Turn from your wicked ways, the word's metanoia. It's two Greek words put together. Meta, which means to turn, and nuos, which means to think. You turn your what? 
your peanut, your little brain up here. You turn your thinking from things that are not godly to things that are what? That are godly. How do you do that? With memory verses, friends. You're transformed by the renewing of your mind. So if you're going to turn from your wicked ways, you've got to start where? With your thinking. You've got to start with your thinking. You've got to change your thinking. You've got to get the Word of God. You've got to get memory verses in there. You've got to get worship in there. You've got to change your thinking, your mind. Metanoia. You've got to change your thinking. You've got to turn away from bad thinking into what? Into good thinking. It changes everything. Acts 3.19 says this. It says, repent and turn to God so that your sins will be wiped out and times of refreshing will come to you from the Lord. Anybody need times of refreshing? Hello? Everybody in the room, you are here, friends, for one reason. You want to be refreshed by God. Here is your way to get refreshed by God. Turn to him, and he'll open up heaven and pour out refreshment on you. Stand with me and bow your heads, would you? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Now watch the promise after those four principles we just covered. Here's the promise. I will hear you. Man, I will hear you. God has promised you something. God is a promise keeper. I will what? I'll hear you. I will hear you from heaven, and I will forgive your sin and heal your land. I'll heal you. I'll heal the things around you. So bow your head with me right now, would you? If you're online, I just want to invite you to bow your heads, and I want to ask you a question right now. How many of you need healing in your land, in your heart, your life, your journey? How many of you need healing? Put your hand up if you would. You say, God, I want you to heal me. I need healing in the land. Just about everybody in the room. There's a lot of us. I need healing. And so, Father, we want to come right now and say thank you for the promise. You laid out the principles, God, and then you said if you can humble yourself, seek my face, come humbly and ask me, turn your thoughts back to me, and I will hear you in heaven, pour out refreshment on you, healing on you. I will restore what you've lost, give back what is broken. I am your healer. Father, we want to thank you that 2 Chronicles 7.14 is a healing prayer, a healing principle, Father. And so, God, I pray for everybody who raised their hands that, that each of us would go home and meditate on your word, Father, and say, God, teach me how to live this. Teach me how to walk in this. Show me how to open to your healing hand every day so you could do all the work in me you want to do in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Everybody said amen, 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 amen. amen.